A really important note to preface things here. It's been indicated by fans that Crunchyroll did a poor job with the translations in this scene and made it seem like Aaron's whole interaction with Hanja was just posturing and saying that he could do what he wanted and that if she had a way to stop him, she had better hurry up and use it. And that is very far off from the real meaning here, I'd say, and it definitely contributes to some of the viewer confusion and certain reactions to Aaron's words. Hello listeners, and welcome to A Dash of Salt with AJ. I'm your host, Ahsoka Jackson, author, poet, podcaster, and freelance proofreader. Now, some folks have suggested that in the first half of what he said, maybe Aaron was making the point that if the authorities couldn't control him or Zeke, then they had no hope of controlling the larger situation going on with Marley and the other nations. That's an intriguing interpretation, and it definitely is possible. But I think the big focus of the first half of the exchange, before he grabbed her, was to let Hanja know exactly where she stood and that the ball was now in the court of herself and the other leadership and parties. Do you know why Aaron doesn't open up to her and share and talk? Because it's not his turn anymore. He's said what he's willing to say. It's now Hanja's turn to lay her cards on the table instead. When he told her that he could escape at any time and that he knew they couldn't just murder him outright, do you know what he was actually saying to her? I'm not here because you're keeping me here. I am here because I am choosing to be here. I am waiting and I am cooperating and I am giving you some time and a fudging chance to give me some hope here. I need hope, Hanja. Aaron didn't have to let them put him in that cell to begin with, but he submitted to it. He tolerated it. And one thing I actually realized is that Hanja needed this reality check. She needed to know that there was a clock counting down. Because what would be typical bureaucratic responses in a situation like that? Stonewalling, thinking they have time and leeway for that kind of thing, saying it's classified or some mess. So Aaron was saying, look, you don't have time to jerk me around like that. I'm only staying here as long as I choose to. And I'm staying here so you can have a chance. If you have an actual solution, you'd better let me know now because otherwise I can and will proceed with my plan instead. And that's the real point here. It's the same million dollar question I kept raising with episode eight and nine, and even earlier than that. If they don't want Aaron to follow this course of action, then what is their suitable alternative instead? Look, for the most part, Aaron does not want to carry out his current plan. He freaking hates this plan. He's choosing it because of Paradise leadership's failure. He would love it if they gave him something better that has sufficiently high chance of working in the long term. And you know what's ironic? As much as they want to berate Aaron and curse him and Zeke, right now, it looks like they'd probably end up following Zeke's plan themselves anyways, just with extra steps and extra stupidity. Kill Zeke, kill Aaron, and then what? Do the plan anyways? I mean, I get not trusting those two to stay on course in various senses, but the fighting and resistance still seems so weak and empty at this point, and borderline likes more about ego than practicality. Speaking of which, Armin better have just been trying to predict what ungrateful, disloyal government sleazeballs would do, not actually suggesting himself that they kill Aaron and feed him to somebody else. Anyways, returning to what Aaron says to Hanja, 
When he asks if she has anything else to offer, he's not talking about her ability to stop him. He's talking about a plan. He's talking about real freaking hope. And he's not just asking, he's pleading. He is begging this woman. I already noticed myself how he was still using honorifics with her, much as how he was still addressing Levi formerly. It actually startled me, and then other folks elaborated on the point and confirmed that yes, Aaron was also using polite speech in other parts of his questioning of Hanja. And based on his tone, I would say that he wasn't being sarcastic in his uh, use of polite speech with Hanja or with how he addressed Levi earlier. They showed that frantic, sort of crazed look he has right before he grabs her. And while I don't think this has ever been explicitly explained or confirmed in the canon, I suspect his near transformation was a response to extreme stress and distress. Like, I think he was in such a state of distress that his powers were on the verge of becoming unleashed despite the lack of a physical injury. I don't know if they ever could cross that threshold and fully activate spontaneously, but it's like his time powers were rattling at the bars in that regard. And even setting that whole thing aside, we still ultimately are shown a picture of a man who's actually more frantic and desperate and anguished rather than just being angry and hostile. Even in grabbing Hanja, I think that was more just Aaron spazzing out and being in a frantic state rather than trying to be violent or aggressive. And just to reiterate, I already said before that grabbing her was inappropriate and unhelpful and that he shouldn't have done it. I don't want folks to think I'm encouraging or minimizing that behavior. But I don't think the action came from as negative or aggressive a standpoint as folks might think. But going back to the key question, what's basically indicating what Hanja says when out of Aaron's sight is that no, she doesn't actually have anything solid to offer Aaron, just like the other officials and soldiers don't. This is why Aaron was the one to strike in the first place, and why he had to take on the majority of the burn for an operation the government as a whole should have been handling. Remember what I said before? That maybe we'd find out that the government actually did have a plan, and would have stopped Willie Tiber's plans themselves if Aaron hadn't gone rogue and interfered. Well, currently that's looking less and less likely. Right now it's looking like parties would have been doomed already if Aaron hadn't been willing to act. These politicians in Brass and Parties Island are going to regret making the kids do their work, you know. Especially a kid with issues that deep. Issues they've merrily contributed to. Heck, I think they're already radiant. Or they would be if they had the sense and humility to. Right now it looks more like they're ready to scapegoat instead. Bruh freaking vo. Let's see how much worse we can fudge up the situation, especially now that Ervin isn't here to rescue us. Alright guys, thanks for listening, and I hope you've had a great time with me for this episode, and the rest of my coverage for episode 10, A Sound Argument. If you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe and turn your notifications on so you can get updates. You can help make the podcast more visible for new viewers and listeners by leaving a like, share, comment, or review on whichever platform you use to listen. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal, YouTube, Amazon Music, social media, etc. Now be blessed and stay salty.